one voice would always put you down. That's your imposter syndrome voice. My dyslexia is my secret weapon, and I use it every day. Oh my God, you are talking to a double whammy, right? A female and an Asian in the White Boys Club. Welcome to The Imposterous. The Imposterous is hosted by me, Michael Knox, and Graham Drew, two rather insecure frauds who will be exploring the motivating and debilitating experiences we all have with imposter syndrome, with a sneaky suspicion that it might just be your superpower if you let it. I think what's well, a huge part of my career was worry. We actually are all going through the same level of insecurity, no matter how successful we become. If you really want to have a breakthrough, you've got to break something. Okay, so I have this idea that for, you know, our end of season one, that we have this party and what would happen is that everyone would be there. Like you'd have, you'd have Nils and Vicky having a conversation that probably only Rob Campbell could understand and you'd see Fran in the corner with them. Um, you know, pencils up a nose and Kitty mm. refusing to make anyone a cup of tea. <laughs> ben Welsh kind of, you know, being critical about our wine choice. There'd be a lot of jealousy around Anae and um, Phoebe's youth and enthusiasm. Graham Fink's in the corner with two robots that only Jab can understand. <laughs> J- Julian's just frantically drawing a diagram of some sort. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a, like a magician. <laughs> And we got the, the, the Blackleys um, with Esther and Claudia's there as well and everyone's there and then there's, oh, and what, what also, because it's like COVID-themed, um, I've bought a drink along and we all have to drink out of coffee cups like we have been on lockdown oh, and that's how the drinks would be served. Fizzy coffee. Yeah. Mm. And then there's, um, then there's a knock at the door um, for our next guest. That was smooth. What was that like? That was good. I love it. a party I want to be at. And we'd say welcome to the party, Emma Robbins. Oh, hello. How are you going? Oh, I get a noxie. How things with you, Emma? <laughs> going to change my name. I'm good. I'm really good. How are you going? Hi, Graham. Good. Hello. Look at you all sort of like ready and... Sort of, I have positioned myself in the smartest environment that I could find. It's really good. That's a very, that's a very well curated background. Well, welcome to uh, to the to the imposterous. You've certainly lifted the game, which um, which is why we've got you on. (laughs) Great to have you talking to us, Emma, and good to see you again. You too. We were just talking about how um, how prepared we are, and obviously, I'm a little bit earlier where I am. Anyway, sorry, Michael. Go on. No, it's your you're you're asking the first question, Graham, as we rehearsed. That's how awake I am. Welcome. It's lovely to meet you. You said something really interesting, which is around, I've always stayed afraid. Afraid of being average, afraid of being fired, afraid of being off brief, afraid of being beaten by another team. It's exhausting, but I guess it's what keeps me trying. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that, about your relationship with fear and how it's maybe changed as you've gone through your career. Yeah. I wish it had changed. (laughs) But, um, you know, I think fear is what's always driven me in advertising that sort of fear of being average and I I think I had the privilege of starting my career at Clemenger so that bar was already very high at the beginning high yeah. yeah and um creatively you walked into that place and you knew that uh you had every right to feel afraid but you also had every right to feel com- like so inspired by the standard of the work there you know when I started there from um Tassie so many of those names in those offices were just were names in award books to me. Like I knew all the work and I knew all the team's names and then they'd won all those awards and then to just be 
amongst them was um was gobsmacking for me and I think that was where my fear started but uh, you know it's a healthy fear I think um and as I've gone through my career it's about staying afraid of being average or comfortable or you know lazy for me to to go oh that'll do maintaining that fear of have we done enough is this good enough um and as I said yeah that started at Clemenger and that's never really stopped and I, I think um I think there's an insecurity that's innate in creatives and I think it's a wonderful insecurity as exhausting as it as it can be the science in in the way fear drives people as well you know the peptides and the way that it opens up your left and right brain and it's just you combine all that together and I think I've ended up in a career that's absolutely perfect for me but that's absolutely um, maintains this level of insecurity healthy insecurity constantly and I think if you don't have that um, bad shit happens do you get afraid when you don't feel afraid, if that makes any sense? Like, do you, um, yeah. do you fear the comfort zone, so to speak? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think, um, you know, it's a bit of a fess up. I think when I first came back into advertising after having a family, my I was so protective of family and little kids and wanting to get back into advertising but not wanting to get back into it the same way mm. that I came out and I came out, you know, at a – at a pretty mad kind of crazy um, commitment to advertising. And so I was trying to do both and I actually think I was doing both not well because I was trying to half do each, be around for kids, be around for an agency, but also want to be home by four and not work nights. And the more I tried to do that, I think the more I realised I was I don't want to say I was being average, but I wasn't probably being as into it and committed and have that fire that that I know I needed. But as they've got older and I've been able to um to change the way that I need to be in their not in their lives, but I feel like I'm more confident now that I can throw myself more in. And I think COVID particularly meant those worlds were so blurred for me, especially for everyone in Melbourne. Like I literally spent two two years at home. Um, yeah. with kids in one room and advertising in another room and I could walk between both worlds really easily so that distance wasn't there and I worked till 11 every night but I put them to bed and I ate dinner with them and you know COVID's been a crisis opportunity if you like in that respect um, you know it's really meant that I was able to just commit to everything and it's been really exhausting <laughs> I know for everyone it's been so exhausting but it's also been me um you know, that fears back and it fears big and it's wonderful. You know, it's um MNC has been a great place for me to to just light that fire again and, and get back into it. And I wanted to ask you about those roles because some of them are um I guess potentially intimidating, right? Yeah, I again I think that's just you know that weird combination of feeling a bit insecure your whole you know career and that how healthy that is and pushing yourself or taking on things that you don't know how to do um, because there's too much. It's scarier if you're comfortable, I think, than if you than if you're really um, fearing the unknown. So, I, you know, I think moving to Melbourne from Hobart to me that was like shit. This is scary. I didn't know anyone at Clemenger Melbourne. No one, um, and that was pretty daunting. But you know, you you do it because what an opportunity and. Then, yeah, I was 
made a CD quite quickly, which was, again, that was pretty daunting, but I had, like, great support in Blackers, who I know you interviewed last week, and, and Aunt Shannon. So great support from those guys in doing that. And then, yeah, the maybe the job you're talking about, Michael, was, yeah, I was made ECD, like, overnight, and that was, that, that was nuts. I didn't know how to do how to do that role and I think the hardest thing for me was I was suddenly in ECD and all my all my mates were the department and that was really that was really hard in fact but you know I did it and god I look back now and I learned so much from what that was I learned so much from what I did love doing it and from what I didn't like doing it and from where it went and it that was a crazy time This monster birthday, and he ate my whole guts, and he ate my whole body, and then he ate my cat. This octopus came out the bathroom, and he grabbed me, and he squeezed up out of me. Crocodile came up, bit my guts out, and bit me into parts, pieces, and even my legs went that way, and even my head went that way. And then I was group CD, so it was almost like, yeah, go, go sit there for a while and just do the same thing, but on a le- <laughs> on a lesser scale. And again, to to watch James ECD was um, that was pretty amazing as well. And I, I learned a lot from that process. And then, yeah, again, it was like, okay, now I'm going to be parent. Don't know how to do that. That was cool, and learned a lot from that. And then going and freelancing, I could never freelance before. I'd never worked in another network before, so. That was um that was what I really needed to go and do as well. Then I found myself in a completely sort of interesting space, which was behaviour change and, and working at the Shannon Company, which again I knew nothing of really behaviour change and science of that and working on government and that whole language that you need to learn and understand in that. And again, like I came out of that just going, wow, there's another another in, really interesting thing for me to know and learn and, and grow. And then now I found myself back at M- uh, back in agency and at MSC and it's it's new again and it's new all the time you know I think that's what's so wonderful about advertising is you know how lucky are we to be in a job where you get up every day and you don't know what's going to happen it's, and what's your advice on that then what what, what, do you, what do you think that is like it's it's more than just one day at a time yeah um I think you again I mean I can say this after so long I think you have embrace the fact that it's unknown day-to-day what a client's going to say about work or what, you know, CCO is going to say about you or what your creative is going to present. And I love the, I love the unknown of that. It's what keeps it interesting and that's what keeps um, the people that you work with really interesting. Because any imagine. job description that comes with that, right, you you don't yeah. read and you're bored with. I mean, I think you and I have talked about the fact, well, I, I, I recall us having a conversation about decision fatigue. About just not wanting to make another decision. So there's no yeah. there's no rule book. There's no handbook that even goes, hey, this is how you go and do this. You just kind of yeah. discover it. So your personality kind of has been molded to to that discovery. And I, you know, I say that word exhausting in a couple of times when I've been asked that question. It, it can be exhausting, but it's also, you know, it's very exhilarating. I think I, you know, I did miss it. I missed that kind of buzz. Pretty addictive. <laughs> Yeah. Do you think you've cracked it now in terms of that fear side of things, the waiting to be found out side of things, given, I mean, you had a, 
a pretty stratospheric rise and then you've skipped around and done so many different things and now you've kind of, kind of come full circle in a way. Mm. How are you feeling now? Do you think you've kind of... Nah. I'm still afraid every day. Afraid, come, the fear comes from now what we're doing at MNC. You know, it's new, it's a great brand. We're doing new things there. We're bringing in new people. We're winning new business. Um, it's just a, it's just a new, different fear. You've got to, you've got to stay afraid. I think comfort's our enemy, and I'm not, yeah, I'm not interested in feeling really comfortable because that's not what kind of works for me. And I think if you're going to buy into this industry, you've got to buy into being able to just have that living in your stomach. Mm like an alien. There's an ECD in Melbourne that I think started with you as like an RMIT um, student and and, <laughs> I remember, and Joe Hill, and I don't know if he listens to this, right, but um, it's kind of like you've no doubt been a great mentor. Are you are you comfortable with, with, with being a mentor? Because you've been that, like you've inspired a lot of creatives along the way. Do you find that that's part of the job that you really gets you through? Um. I do. I I love seeing some of the people that were came in as juniors to Clemenger again. You know who are now ECDing and who I'm versing pitches and stealing business off us, and we're stealing business off them. Like it's it's great. Um, I, I just think I it's interesting you say mentor. I feel like all we were 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 people in a creative department together, and I'd be reviewing work and you know commenting on work or adding to work. My whole thing, my whole shtick, I suppose, as a CD has always been never to, it's never been about breaking hearts or making people feel like they're shit and they've got nothing and don't come back to you, you've got something, you know. And I've, I've been lucky enough never to work with a CD like that either and possibly that's where I've um, I've developed that from. But I, I just feel like you always want to leave people feeling hope after a review and like there's something in there that they can work on and encourage them, not do it for them, but encourage them to see that. And if, you know, I love to think that's how I've mentored people and I'd like to think that's how they're, they've gone off to, to ECD as well, because as this goes full circle, it is all, it's about confidence and it's about not feeling, you know, you should feel afraid, but shouldn't feel like you're shit or sit there rocking or crying that you just can't come up with something because no one believes in you and all that, you know, mess that can go on. So um, if I've mentored that way, you know, I'm, I'm proud that, that that's how I might have mentored. I, I hope so because that's what I try to try to do in every review. Just make sure people feel leaving with hope, like there's something. Well, I'm so hungry. How hungry are you, John and May? Well, I'll tell you, I'm so hungry, I could eat a horse. A horse? But not just any old horse. This is a special horse. Because this old horse, well, he ate a chicken and a chicken ate a cat and a cat ate a dog and a dog ate a frog. Come on now, eat them furry critters. And the frog ate an eel and the eel ate a panda. Panda? That's some endangered eating. And a panda ate a mule, and the mule ate a chimp, and the chimp ate a tapir. What in the hell's a tapir? A tapir's a nocturnal mammalian quadruped that dwells in Central and South American jungles. Yeehaw! Well, what's it eat? This old tapir? Well, he ate a moose, and a moose ate a rhino, and a rhino ate a rare crested macaw. And I was so hungry, boy, I ate them all! Yeehaw! Hold on now, there's more! I ate Altazad and Encyclopedia. Then I ate Rarabia Micronesia. I ate 33 tons of chicken madras and two full canisters of 
DX Nerf Kit. I had an amphibian penguin and a great wall of China. 26 states and a California dot. Two beluga whales stuffed with bratwurst. A rusty old anchor and a peck of churst. What in the hell is a churst? I don't know. I just made it up and ate it. Don't bother going to the Maldives these days. I polished them off with some herb mayonnaise. So long, Maldives. I had a sweet sweet tone and a queen size dude. And Gary Busey and Lou Gossett Jr. A live sea plane and a Dutch wooden shoe. The big brother has and the gay guy too. Even ain't the cameras? That's just green. Well, I was hungry, so yes, indeed. Yee-haw! Now, you go, Ozzy Bell. Come on, boy. Okay, here I go now. Sing it. Lay it on me. Come on. Well, I was so hungry, I ate a Snickers. I think I've thought about that before as well, actually in terms of what your job is. And I thought that too, is that actually such a huge part of our job is just to give people confidence. I mean, this is 100% a confidence game, no matter who you are, right? At whatever level you are. And even if you're a client to a degree, you do have to be paying your retainer (laughs) or your project for confidence to actually make you feel like I know exactly what I'm doing. And, you know, without that. Yeah. See it. Yeah, that's right. It's it's interesting, isn't it? Because there's great confidence in advertising, like the one you're talking about, and then there's the just cockhead kind of confidence where you kind of all like, oh, I, I know what it I'm It has to be grounded doing. in you something. Know. That's right. <laughs> I'm great exactly. because I'm great. Shut up. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and talking about great, um, I took a good look at um, some of your work, and one of the great things about this is just looking at people's sort of archives and stuff. And so much of the stuff that you've done is really funny. Right, you know, there's some, and I, th- I, I, I admire that more than anything. I think because funny is, I think, the hardest thing to do. I think you know, a lot of the stuff that's sad gets all the plaudits, but I think sad's a lot easier than funny, personally. Mm. And um, and you've got some absolute belters. Wonder guy, man. No, 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 no. Got mum and dad. And you've got my Libra invisible pads. Yeah. I remember, um, you know, I, this makes me feel old, but I, you know, around 9-11, I remember that 12 months after that was just like clients did not want to talk about humorous work and it wasn't the right moment to be funny that seemed to be a period of time but now also I I just wonder if brands are more there's more um work being done where brands are trying to build relationships on this sort of deeper connection with people than ever before you know brands are finding their meaning and they're finding their point of difference and you can connect with people over humour still, but it maybe doesn't feel as deep or as meaningful as brands want to be. So it's a bit like, you know, you, you're you feeling a particular way and you want to talk about something or you want support or you want to feel better about something. You've got the friend that you can go and have a beer with who takes the piss out of everything and makes you laugh or you've got the friend that you can go and have a beer with that makes you feel like everything's going to be okay. And... um. I wonder if that's more where brands are going. They want to build longer, more meaningful relationships with people rather than maybe just a one-off kind of piss funny moment. But then you look at brands like Lamb and Audi and, you know, those sort of 
brands that are building their brand and building the relationship with with consumers uh, with humor and everyone loves the next one oh, what's the next one going to be what's the next one next one going to be but um so i think it's the the work that makes you laugh is awesome but i i do wonder if brands are trying to trying to find a deeper connection to people than laughter which um it's putting a different vibe i guess over the work everywhere but it would be great to be able to do to do both and to have both of those kind of riffs going i reckon yeah and i want to ask you em, about um where the where the joy where the gold in this job is for you now because i guess that changes over over a, you know sometime or pandemics change thing and change things mm. and, and how you work and where you work i'm just wondering what's the What's the drive? And, and and the other part of this question is kind of like the the message that we we try to send. We kind of we sometimes say, you know, if you were entering an agency now, what would you tell yourself? And I don't want to ask that. I kind of <laughs> yeah. just have. You just did, but um, <laughs> but that's right. We, we edit we edit some of the bad stuff out. A lot of it makes it to it. But um, just the advice that you give. I don't want to sound all Doris Day. Like it's all been gold for me. Like the shittest times of when I, you know, twenty four hours later. They're still gold because you learn so much from losing your pitch, losing a piece of business, um, thinking, you know, the world's going to fall apart. Again, it's a great thing about advertising because the roller coaster goes up, you know, straight away and the next kind of buzz is coming. But um, the gold for me now I think is it's being in a leadership team at, at this point at MNC with people I just really like and respect and that are so supportive of me as a creative, as a parent, as a woman, um, as a leader. And that, you know, I'm not not saying other agencies weren't, but that I've really found like I've found my people. So there's big things to think about MNC as a group and how they're just, I think, so progressive in terms of women in the group, but also just the different people that we all are and, have, and family and advertising, it's just that they feel to me like they've just got the, that got the balance right. And the gold for me now too is um, winning business. Like I've never known, I've never known pitching like this, that like we, you learn so much from truncating what we do into such a manic two-week <laughs> period and then going into that married at first sight kind of moment with a client and has, giving an hour of everything just to get married to them. Um, it's such a thrill and a buzz and the support, the gold for me at the moment too in pitching so much is the support that you get from everyone, from a Mac operator to the managing director, you know, everyone in sleeves up, you know, getting the agency across the line. And obviously at this point we're coming out of that, but from home for two years has been insane to have won so much amazing business in and um to almost like crack that pitch special source that's been gold for us and I think also just again as I continue to ECD and to just love watching junior creatives come through and get work through and make work and know that they're going to tell their mom and dad you know that they're going to batter out on on the web or they made a you know, they made a radio ad or I love, I love all that, Which watching careers kind of flourish and, and shine and all the same through account service and planning and, yeah, it's great. It's, um, I am just, yeah, it all feels gold. It always has and this time is particularly golden and shiny for me. 
Yeah. Right. That's very cool. I always think, I mm-hmm. mean, I've, I've, I've recently just been through a run of pitches and I, this always happens. Like, you know, you don't pitch for a long time. You kind of miss it. And then one comes yeah. along and you go, oh, good. And then you're in it and you go, why the fuck did I miss this? Yes. <laughs> this is horrible. Yeah. They're always good in hindsight, aren't they? Because you sort of like, go, yeah, and everyone's together and it's late night and you've got takeaway food. And then you're doing it and go, this is shit. <laughs> yeah. But then you do it and you're right. Yeah. It's like the, it's like the, it's the distillation of who you are as an agency in your culture, the pitch moment, right? That's when you're sort of like stepping yeah. into the ring. And it is the, the biggest buzz. It really is. Yeah. And yeah, um, yeah. you see what you're made of when you do those things. Last question from us. We always we ask this to a lot of our guests. I wondered if you could tell us when was the last time, given that you still very much feel afraid because it keeps you honest, is when was the last time that you felt like a fraud? And is there oh. anything else you'd like to add to that? Oh, <laughs> if I said it every day, I if I said it every day, I do mean that, but I don't mean it like how did I get here? How have I bluffed people for this long? But I think it's more about feeling like when we talk about I could get found out, I think it's back to that beginning of it's almost I could get found out by stopping this obsession with not being shit. I think that's the thing. It's like um, wanting to know that you're never exposed for giving up, not caring anymore, you know, being average. And, of course, that all plays into the fact that you just can't let yourself get to that point because I think you'll get found out pretty fast so yeah I don't I don't I wouldn't I can't just sit and go yeah I feel like a fraud I think I just it's back to that idea of don't let yourself find yourself out that one day you're going oh, you know probably drop the ball a bit here I'm not sure I'm into this anymore maybe I'd like to do something else you know I'm not maybe I'll start a podcast podcast though let me say but uh, yeah I don't I'm nowhere near that point, but I guess that would be when I start to, am I frauding myself here a bit? Is, is it done for me? Should I step away? But that, that will be the day that I just go, oh, I, I'm, not, I'm not into this anymore. I, I feel like I'm failing or, you know, I'm letting other people down. But, um, you know, fingers crossed that's not, that's not coming soon. I don't think so. It doesn't <laughs> sound like it. No. Thanks for joining us, Emma. Great oh, to see you me. again. Thanks for coming me on too. The Impostress. And just so you know, just because that that Cam comment that you made, we did <laughs> things so he was on earlier. Might he not knows. have been how you were booked for this, but that's okay. Right, he's in the background. <laughs> no, he knows. He knows, I think, that. Thank you so much. Thanks, Emma. Love Great to, to meet see you. you. Take care. All right. Bye now. See you later. See you later. Bye. Sandy days will keep on coming. My brain changed, but it's still running. I get phased, and in the end, it's nothing. Thank you very much for listening to The Imposterous. Apart from our fine, imposterous guests, none of this would have been possible without the help of the following wonderful frauds. Firstly, Andrew Stevenson at We Love Jam Studios, best music and sound house in Australia. If you would like to catch up on all the other podcasts in The Imposterous series, visit theimposterous.com. 